0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking advanced quarterback stats, the Browns' backfield, and more on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I am Curtis Patrick alongside Dave Cabin. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. And uh yeah this is our second show second show together uh of the week and it's the show where we go into some of the deep stats brought to you by our awesome partnership with SIS been really digging uh what our analysts have been doing uh with with some of these leading indicator metrics and having fun uh picking Dave's brain on this over the past couple of weeks before we get into some quarterback advanced metrics just want to remind everyone uh if you want to hit up a 12-month subscription uh on Rotoviz, maybe you maybe yours is up and you've been lazy about renewing, or maybe you find yourself in the middle of the standings and redraft and you're just like, man, I could really use some wisdom uh from the team on you know looking ahead at strength of schedule, uh waiver wire pickups, uh, or what have you. Maybe you're a dynasty player and you're gonna kickstart a rebuild and you wanna see what Blair and I and Sean are doing from a dynasty perspective. Uh, great time to sub up. So you can use code RV radio 2021 and save 10% on a 12 month sub that's code RV radio 2021. So Dave hit that generic quick drop and then let's get into the next segment. (laughs) I'm not supposed to read the liner notes, but I I like to do it anyway. It cracks myself up. Um, Okay. So uh, we want to talk quarterbacks tonight, Dave, and uh, you've got some really cool stuff that you've pulled on the best QBs under pressure. Uh, What do you have for us?
2: Yeah. So this is one thing that I always find really interesting to look at because as a fan, when I'm talking with other fans about different teams, different players, you often hear people give their opinion on how a player is doing under pressure. But like many things in the NFL, in a lot of sports, when you actually go and look at the stats, intuition is often different than how the numbers actually bear out. There's a couple of players, though, Curtis, that I see popping in a lot of quarterback metrics. These are players we know to be good, but it's interesting to see them actually separating themselves. So the first thing I looked at this week was how quarterbacks were doing under pressure, as you mentioned. Now, the first thing I was curious about was their on-target percentage, which I don't think I've actually delineated between on-target percentage and catchable percentage. There is a difference, and these are two metrics that you will see in the Advanced Stats Explorer, and you'll hear me talk about. Catchable balls are just balls that are in the area of the receiver in a spot where he could reasonably make a play and catch the pass, which is different than an on-target throw because an on-target throw is one that will hit the receiver in motion. So ideally, it's going to allow the receiver to make the catch in stride and continue downfield. So there's a little bit of a distinction. As a result of that, you will often see, well, I shouldn't say often, you will always see an on-target percentage be lower than a catchable percentage because all on-target passes are catchable passes, but not all catchable passes are on-target passes. With that out of the way, The most accurate quarterback in terms of on-target percentage this year, um, under pressure is Russell Wilson, has been on target basically 76% of the time. He's actually followed by Teddy Bridgewater, but I have to footnote this by saying that Bridgewater has one of the lowest average throw depths that you're going to see of the quarterbacks that I list. At number three, Lamar Jackson. And I find this pretty exciting because this is just another metric where Lamar Jackson is performing well. And behind him, you have Kyler Murray. But at five, this is a really interesting one. The rookie, Mac Jones. There's been a lot of conversation this week about how in fantasy circles, people do not want to be that enthused about Mac Jones. But from a real football perspective, Jones has been the best rookie. He's followed by Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Derek Carnes, Sam Darnold actually. Uh, The other thing that I looked at, Curtis, was sack percentage on pressures. Josh Allen has been the best in terms of this metric, getting sacked on just 8.9% of pressures. Now, an interesting thing that you will see if you start to look at these is generally the quarterbacks that you expect to scramble more are more likely to have a higher sack percentage. Uh, So it's impressive that we see Josh Allen coming in at the top of this list here. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford follow our boy, Jalen Hurts, though, uh, just a 13.5 sack percentage, which we like to see. Now, to kind of bring this all back together, the final thing that I was looking at here in terms of quarterbacks and how they're performing under pressure was adjusted net yards per attempt. Top quarterback in that metric this year, Matthew Stafford, followed by Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater. A couple of things I want to focus on now. We see Jalen Hurts performing well in a variety of these metrics, which is interesting because people don't want to seem to buy into the idea that he could be the Eagles quarterback moving forward. I would question how much of that is really on Hurts and how much of that might just be the team at large. It's impressive to see Lamar Jackson scoring so well in many of these metrics, and it's also impressive to see Russell Wilson Scoring so well. The final thing I'll say that's interesting, if you look at IQR, which is a way that you can improve that traditional quarterback rating by adjusting for certain types of plays that need to be adjusted for, you see a stark contrast between Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson and the rest of the pack under pressure, uh, as well as Josh Allen and Tom Brady. but. Guess who comes in just behind those guys with an IQR of 103, Curtis, compared to guys like uh, Tom Brady at 111, Josh Allen at 107. If you were going to say Jalen Hurts, you would be right. So we just love to see this Jalen Hurts stuff there. So some of this not directly applicable to fantasy, and I have a couple more stats we'll go through, but just super interesting stuff, I think, adds a little more context when you're actually watching these games play out on Sundays.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, n- numbers can mislead, but they never lie. Um, This is, you know, this is, you know, we can make the stats say, you know, what they, what we want them to say, or, you know, we can ignore stats from certain players, but listen, man, you just ran down the rankings and, and a lot of um, descriptive metrics about quarterback play. And, the numbers are the numbers. Um, and so I think it is it is important and impressive that you see Jalen Hurts performing well in a couple of these areas because uh, the knock on some of the mobile quarterbacks as they come into the league has been, will they develop as passers? And Lamar Jackson was fighting that all the way up even until this season. And so to see him um, do it uh, in what you're for now versus Jalen Hurts doing it in, in still what's effectively his first cumulative season. Right. I mean, he doesn't have 16 starts under his belt. Yep. He's he's still a rookie yep. from a starts perspective. And so, um, you know, I, I, think that that is something that we should keep an eye on. Um, Nick Sirianni as well, you know, comes from a line of coaches that have been pretty loyal to their guys. Um, you know, he's from the school of, of Frank Reich. And I mean, <laughs> Reich has been, uh, to a fault loyal to his quarterbacks, um, you know, really for his entire career as, as a quarterback uh, or as a, as a coach rather and as a former quarterback himself. And so um, you know, how much will that transfer to Sirianni and how he approaches this and how much say will Sirianni have versus um, the GM in Philly? Who knows? Um, but if the team can turn it around and, and be a little bit more competitive in other aspects of um, competition this year, then perhaps people will be more open-minded um, on Hertz. And I think, the one that really stood out to me, Dave, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, 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 I subscribe to a lot of, uh, motivational, uh, social media accounts. And <laughs> one thing that I, uh, one, one thing that I see a lot is, uh, these, these things on Instagram where it's like, if you hang out with 5 million or 6 millionaires, you will be the seventh. If you hang out, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's guilty by association type of thing. Well, when you're, you're running down that list of adjusted net yards per attempt. And Jalen hurts is in there at fourth sandwiched between the following players, Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. And Jalen hurts is the seventh. Like that's basically just the list of all the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And Jalen hurts is right in the middle there. So I, I I mean, I think if nothing else, it's at least it should give you pause. Um, And from a fantasy perspective in particular and dynasty it's a reason to still have some hope. So if you if you find that the Jalen Hurts manager in your league um, is, is peddling him. Or, you know, maybe, maybe you look at starting lineups and you see Jalen hurts sitting there. Maybe that, that, uh, manager is pretty stacked at the position. Try to pry him away. I mean, there's still plenty of sentiment out there that he's not the long-term guy. Um, and that means that there's, you know, basically still a buy window open. But if, if we were told right now that Jalen hurts was the guy for another contract, he's, he's going to, uh, maybe not even another contract, but for the duration of his rookie deal, he's going to get two more years. And we knew for a fact, he'd get two more years. His value would be sky high uh, because of what he's done fantasy wise. So um, yeah, appreciate those digs. I think the other one that stood out to me, let me go here. Um, Kirk cousins, you know, Kirk cousins continues to, to show up uh, in this stuff. And he's not really thought of as a premier quarterback in the NFL, like, but I think he is—he is more than a game manager. I mean, I mean, I, I it can be difficult to separate the quarterbacks from the receivers and vice versa sometimes. And you know, it doesn't hurt when you have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. But um, Cousins is you know peppered all over these lists as well. And you know, with the Vikings being thought of as a, a run-first team you know, especially when Dalvin Cook is healthy, I think it's important not to lose sight of the fact that Kirk Cousins is actually a a pretty decent NFL quarterback and, and fantasy quarterback for that matter.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Cousins was one of those guys that I was kind of on in a lot of my teams going into this year because he's just not a very exciting player in real life or in fantasy, but manages to get it done. The final thing I'll say about the point on Jalen Hurts is even if something happens, and we don't see him as the long-term answer in Philadelphia, we're not the only people looking at some of these numbers. There's going to be teams that are going to want Jalen Hurts, and he's done enough that if he's not starting for the Eagles, he should be starting somewhere else. So the final thing we'll close with on quarterbacks, and we can come back at some point, maybe talk about quarters when they're not under pressure, but I always like to look at this too, is how quarterbacks are doing on passes that have a throw depth of more than 20 yards and there's a reason here that i want to bring this up because kyler murray ranks ahead of all quarterbacks with an on target percentage of 75.9 percent on passes traveling more than 20 yards the closest player behind him patrick mahomes at just 64.3 followed by joe burrow but a surprise zach wilson um comes in at number four then you have Derek cart number five lamar jackson at six Rodgers at seven, Bridgewater at eight, Allen at nine, and Sam Darnold actually at 10. But the things that I thought were really interesting there, again, were just that separation between Murray and the rest of the pack. Uh, also notable that we see Lamar Jackson popping in another passing metric that is one that you would expect players that have really put it together as passers to wind up in. So exciting stuff there for those guys. The hosting duties here, uh, because I didn't make it entirely clear on the sheet there for you, Curtis. How are we going to transition? I don't know how much time you've had to absorb this. Before we came on air, a big trade went down. Well, I don't know if we want to call it a big trade, but basically the Saints are bringing their boy Mark Ingram back to New Orleans, leaving a backfield in Houston now anchored by David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Ingram will slide in alongside Alvin Kamara while Tony Jones deals with injury. Any quick reaction to this move?
1: Yeah. uh, Interestingly, I mean, Ingram's definitely going to see a downtick in usage, but that could be offset by an uptick in efficiency. Um, You know, there's familiarity with Sean Payton there, obviously. Uh, and you know, I think that the, the, the team sees that they're not going to win via the air in 2021, it's just not their identity. And so I'm sure Peyton was going back through his, his, uh, bag of tricks, uh, and his, his personal notes, looking at, you know, what's been effective in the past. And when when you actually go back like deep into the vault, when the saints finally broke through um and, and started really becoming a winning franchise it was when they had the ground attack to go with the pass it wasn't in those years when Drew Brees was initially passing for 5000 yards and you know they were you know winning the you know winning or losing close games where both teams were in the 30s it's when they started to be able to have some semblance of ball control and uh at least be, have this uh, more of a semblance of balance and so you know Ingram's a much older player now um you know, but I think that I think that they could have something there, um, and it's important too from Alvin Kamara' perspective um, and in Dynasty in particular that they don't wear him out. I mean, he's not. But we've seen what's happened to Christian McCaffrey with some of these um, soft tissue and injuries mounting, and we don't want that to happen to Alvin Kamara. So if they can take, you know, seven to 10 touches away, as long as it's not that receiving work uh, and protect his body. I think that's good. If you're an Alvin Kamara, a manager, you should be happy about this, not sad uh, in particular in dynasty. And then on the Houston side, I mean, it brings David Johnson and Philip Lindsay back into play. I do think that it's going to be David Johnson first. Um, But you know, it it makes sense to speculate in either direction. Now I should like, I guess I should uh, preface that by saying like none of the backs have really been fantasy usable. We did kind of plan a flag a little bit on Mark Ingram in terms of him being like the cheapest starting back uh, this summer. And like, that's definitely played out, but it's really only yielded like eight to 10 fantasy points a week, except when he scores a touchdown. So I don't really think that changes with DJ or Lindsay. And if anything, they've both been a little bit less impressive. Um, Uh, that's that I guess that's my read. I'm just probably more excited about Ingram than I was before and still really lukewarm on the Texans back. Uh, How do you see it, Dave?
2: Yeah. So, I am not very far off from you at all. I think in terms of the three Texans backs where you now have Ingram splitting out, none of those guys as a result of this move become extremely intriguing. I think for in the case of Mark Ingram, we might see a game or two now where his he's able to reach a ceiling that you wouldn't have seen potentially um, in Houston. But like you, I'm inclined to say that this actually is a boon for Kamara. Like you said, we don't want to see him being overused, but I also think now that it might allow these Saints to do certain things in the confines of their offense that could make it Less predictable, or in some way help out Alvin, because we have seen in the past that when this team can get things going, it can support two backs. And even in games you had Latavius Murray firing, Kamara still put up a lot of really nice performances. So I think that should help him out. In terms of the backs in Houston, Mark Ingram vacates 10.1 expected points per game. So if you chop that up evenly, David Johnson would get up to around 12 expected points per game. Philip Lindsay starts to enter the conversation, perhaps of a flex play on some teams around nine. I would think that Johnson probably gets a little bit more of that split than Lindsay. Uh, But my final note here for people would be, do not think that this pushes either player into a range now where they become a guy that you need to target or that you need to spend a tremendous amount of your waiver dollars on or anything like that. This is still a team that's struggling on a lot of fronts. And then there's still the two backs there. And on top of that, um Mark Ingram, though he led the team in a lot of opportunity, was only seeing 13 rushing attempts per game and one target. So you know even if a player is getting 65% of that pie, it's not pushing them into the sphere where they're likely to be material better than any options that you already have. Still, if they're already on your team, that gives you something to be excited about as bye weeks injuries happen. Uh, David Johnson certainly becomes a better fill-in than he would have been otherwise. So that's the quick take uh, from us on this move. Um, Doesn't really move the needle too much in any of these directions, uh, but should be interesting to see how it plays out in New Orleans in particular. All right. So we would be doing something wrong if we didn't check in with our resident Cleveland Browns expert, Curtis Patrick, to take the Pulse on the Cleveland Browns backfield. Nick Chubb has returned to practice. Dearness Johnson was on fire last Thursday. Kareem Hunt on IR. I just want to get a general sense of what the level of excitement should be in the case of dearness johnson or is this a situation you think where chubb comes back and relegates johnson back to obscurity
1: uh i think obscurity is probably pretty strong you know when we look at the strength of schedule streaming app over the next four weeks uh eight week uh week eight through week 11 Cleveland has the fifth most attractive, uh, fantasy schedule for running backs as highlighted by matchups with New England and Detroit at the back half of that. Of course, Detroit really been uh, a defensive target from a running back perspective. Uh, and on the front end of that, we have a, a tough matchup with Pittsburgh, but you know, the Cleveland offense is definitely in flux. I mean, If Baker Mayfield plays, which it seems to be up in the air, I do expect the team to still try to kind of hide him and protect him from big hits. So I think that they'll try to establish the run uh, early in games. And um, you're really going to see uh a, a type of run pass mix that you don't see from many NFL teams for a couple of weeks uh, just to keep Baker out there and keep him upright um so you know i don't think that johnson will get hunts receiving game usage uh you and i were chatting before the show just kind of trying to remember what hunts trends have been um in cleveland um, as a receiver. And then maybe what it had to look like for Chubb, uh, in the absence of hunt, just trying to figure out what that was really going to look like. So cream hunt had been at 14% of team target market share, Uh, I expect that to be dispersed, uh, uh, evenly, including to some wide receivers and or tight ends and not just go, you know, straight over to Johnson, um, or to Chubb. And, you know, we have to go back to 2019, but we did have an eight game sample where we had some Nick Chubb without cream hunt. And he did average four targets per game during that season. Uh, but I, I believe Um, and it's been a very long day. Uh, but I believe that, uh, that would have been, uh, prior to Stefanski being in Cleveland. Um, and so I'm not sure that that is, is relevant. And even if, even if that is not the case, um, it's, you know, it's three, it's almost three years ago, it's kind of ancient history and it's a different backfield situation because, you know, we didn't have, um, there at that time. So, um, I think that if you picked, uh, Johnson up last week, You can consider flexing him, um, even if Chubb plays. uh, You know, we're still in a little bit of the, the, you know, the bye week. Struggle here in particular in week nine. I think there's only two teams on by in week eight. So you might not be forced to flex him this week. But if, if Hunt continues to miss time, you know, through, uh, week 11, you know, week nine, week 10, week 11, we do see a lot more buys creep into the picture. So he's still not a player that you want to drop just because you see Chubb coming back into the action. And from a dynasty perspective, um, you know, I've gotten a couple questions like on my Twitter timeline. Uh, about some of these, um, backs that have been picked up during the year. Uh, you know, does Kenny Gainwell have value? Does Dearness Johnson have value? I did see, uh, Roto-Viz, uh, friend TJ, uh, Calkins in one of my dynasty leagues actually traded, uh, a third for Dearness Johnson and a future fourth um and you know TJ is one of the better dynasty players that I know so that that's an example of maybe a deal that you could do and feel good about adding some depth without actually giving up something material
2: wow yeah that's that's an interesting uh, ad there that's exciting uh for people that might already have johnson to hear that uh, that's the type of trade that's being made for him um without perhaps having as much of a feel for the situation as you do. That's kind of where my mind was at. I think that uh, until Hunt comes back, Johnson should have some usage. Obviously, um, he's not going to be taking away work from Chubb, uh, but he's still a player that's worthwhile to have on your roster until things change. So that gets us through the material that we wanted to cover today. Curtis, you introduced things. So why don't you uh, take the role of getting us out of here uh, until we meet these listeners again on Friday?
1: Uh, yeah, I, this is going to be, this can be a humble brag, um, Dave, but it's also a, you know, a plug for the brand here. So some of the free content we put out this summer, uh, in our, in our newsletter leading up to the season included my, my best ball, uh, portfolio exposure and, uh, you know, famously Cooper cup, uh, uh, over 40% there. Uh, I was checking some of the updates, and now, of course, this doesn't really matter because the regular season performance doesn't carry over to the postseason. But RotoViz, Team Curtis, fifth overall in the FFPC best ball tournament for hundred grand, uh, right now through, through seven weeks, it's a long season, but at the halfway mark, um, looking like I have you know, a pretty elite squad there. So very happy about that. Um, lots of guys on our team responsible for, you know, the picks that I was making, um And, uh, you know, it feel, feels good. We've got some great uh, showings in the main event across our team of uh, owners as well. Uh, you and I scrapping a little bit with our FPC uh, <laughs> team there, Dave, uh, hanging yeah. around 500. But I think I think we can claw our way into the playoff picture with some savvy waiver wire moves. So make sure, like we do, that you're checking out Sam Wallace's weekly article there, Um, you know, plug in Dave's uh, analytics. You know, we talk a little bit about that on the pod, but, um, Dave does a great advanced metrics piece on the site each week. And then, you know, you got Sean and Blair cutting up all of the, uh, running backs, um, that are emerging in the, you know, the, uh, uncertain backfield situations, Neil Dutton, uh, with his tight end piece every week, we've just got so much great content out there that can help you continue to kind of jostle your roster around looking for that special recipe, uh, to bring home a trophy. And then the last plug that I would uh, really want to make is just with Travis May's awesome, uh, college football content every week. I mean, I feel way more equipped for my Devi and dynasty leagues next year than ever uh, with Travis's new college football article format. i um, just kind of highlighting like seven to 10 players every week, standout performances, and then pointing back to our Debbie rankings. It's really, really exciting stuff. So I've never had more fun reading the content on the site. And I don't think it's, as, uh, any shock or surprise that, you know, some of the team wrote squads in these big tournaments are doing quite well.